all the great merch on sale right now. Yes, yes, it is that time. It is that time. All the great merchandise for all the great shows. How good's my ugly sweater, Casey? It is very good. It's uh, what good, is that? Right? Cortexmerch.com? Or Cortexmerch.com. It is very good. It is uh, the the hat, the 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 cortex and hat is what really cortex sets the part. Mm-hmm. Email, time tracking, so all my favorite things. <laughs> Who did that? Who did the art for that? Uh, Simon. Yeah, uh, I, I I'd assume that was the case, but I wasn't sure. That is that is something. It's good, right? You know, my dad bought a. I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but whatever. My dad bought a ATP hoodie uh, last year when we sold them last, or maybe it was even two years ago. Whenever we first started selling them. And we sold them for about the same as this. It was like 45, 50 bucks for Americans. And uh, he's still literally three days ago complaining and moaning about how expensive that hoodie is. He'll say in one breath that I love this thing, but now I am going to have to go back to work because he's retired. I'm going to have to go back to work in order to afford what you it. Should do is, what you should do is you should, uh, you should have them over to your house and have the kids in the kitchen and just have them <laughs> eating a bowl of cereal. Yeah. And then when he says it, you just point at the cereal. Yeah, that, that's actually like pretty much what I said. Like you pay for this cereal, pop. Yep. I pretty much said to him, do you want your grandchildren to eat? Yes or no? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I understand that the merch can be a little bit expensive, but like... This is it now. Well, that, <laughs> money must be made on right. these things, right? This we can sell got. them at cost. And I have done that kind of stuff before. I've made merch that I've sold basically at cost just because I want it to exist. Right. But sometimes it's to make some money. Indeed. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, Mike, it's been a while since we last spoke. Uh, how are things? You were on assignment for uh, the two weeks ago show. Yep. Uh, your assignment went okay, I hope? Yeah, pretty much. Um, thank you to Stephen. Uh, the up-and-comer Stephen Hackett for filling in. <laughs> the up-and-coming Stephen Hache. Uh, we can hope that he gets his own show one day. <laughs> we can only dream. That would be that would be quite a treat. Uh, now, all kidding yeah. aside, it is always uh, uh, quite awesome to have Stephen step in. I, I would not want to give up my time with you, Mike, but it is really, really great when Stephen steps in and he yeah, provides. Yeah, I enjoy listening to you too because it's just different. It's a different show, right? Like, it's a dad, it's dad time. And, <laughs> it's dad <you> know. time. <laughs> True. By the can you please stop saying daddy? Can you please stop doing that? When did I say that? You said it multiple times in the episode. Oh, okay. Sorry. In the, like, please stop saying daddy. Apparently I took dad time a little too seriously. What can you, I say? You did. You kept saying it. And it was Stephen, Stephen marked about how uncomfortable it made him feel. Well, you know, that's what I'm here for. And it's, it's uncomfortable. You know, I've been thinking about this recently. Oh like, God, this is even this is going nowhere good. This is not in the show notes, and I'm getting real no, no, scared. No, no, not like that. Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about no. Uh, I I've been thinking like you know if it, that time ever comes for me, mm-hmm. do, what do what what do I want to be called? Do I want to be dad? I don't think I want to be dad. I don't have a lot of great associations with dad. Okay, this is a much more serious and much deeper conversation than I expected. <laughs> I was yeah, expecting. I was to go thinking somewhere very maybe different. like pop or papa. Or something, maybe. What's, what's Romanian? Is it Papa? Uh, see, you should have known this. Now I put you on the spot. Hey, Google, what's <laughs> Dad in Romanian? I think it's like Tata. That's it. Yeah, Tata. I don't think I want Tata. That, does, that sounds strange in English. Yeah, so it's funny you bring that up. Aaron's side of the family, uh, apparently Tata always meant put it down or like give it up or like release your hand around something. Mm. So Aaron said this to Declan years ago for the very first time. She's like, De- Declan, ta-ta, Declan, ta-ta. And I was like, what? What does well, that mean? Here is goodbye. Ta-ta. 
What what's the what's the maybe it's only said or only written, but what's the super short of abbreviation for thanks? Like ta or something like that? Ta. Do you guys ever say that verbally or is it all only yeah. written? Yeah, yeah, it's verbal. So th- that the first time I saw that, I think it was our uh, mutual friend Chris Harris that said it to me and I was like, "What now?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are you saying to me? Uh anyway, we have a lot of weird words. Yeah. So what happens when you create a language? You end up with some stuff at the end, other ends of it. You you end up with a lot of baggage, like a whole lot of letter U's. Anyway, so mm-hmm. for dad, um, you know, I, I I am alternating dad and daddy, but for the kids, I never. What did really I just st- tell you? Oh, oh come on, stop it! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't specify that they needed to call me one thing or the other, uh, but they have of their own volition. They alternate between dad and daddy. Um, and my dad was dad. Aaron's dad is dad. My dad's dad was pop um yeah but my, that's is that was he pop to his kids or was no, he pop to you to me so that was a grandfatherly yeah. term yeah uh his wife was well they ended up getting divorced when i was like 10 um but his wife my grandmother was my nan uh she, i would refer, referred to her on the show before um and so it was nan and pop and then my mom's parents who are both still around they are grandma and grandpa so it's Nan and Pop on Dad's side and Grandma and Grandpa on uh, my on my mom's side. But again, to your point, this is all uh, second generation. This is not you know your immediate parent. This is all grandparents that I'm talking about. For for me and Aaron, it was always just Dad. Yeah, I just been thinking. I just don't know. I just don't know if Dad is is what I want. Yeah, I, that's a very interesting, very interesting perspective. And and in case listeners aren't aware, you've had a complicated relationship with your father, and I think that's where some mm-hmm. of these feelings are probably coming from. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would think of in that situation. I do kind of like pop. My dad, so uh, when when we asked my parents when Declan was born what they wanted to be called, and, and both my parents and Aaron's parents, uh, both the moms wanted to be grandma. So it's Grandma Liss and, um, and uh, Grandma Burkett, who was Aaron's mom. Uh, and then the dads came up with Aaron. Aaron's dad wanted to be granddad, which I thought was reasonable. And my dad decided to go with Gramps, which now feels completely normal but at the time it seemed like a pejorative like you know okay okay, gramps you know sort of thing and he that's what he decided he wanted weird one to pick yeah and and now it it, it has taken on over over the last five years it's taken on a totally different meaning because you know we don't use it that way anymore but when he first said that i was like really (laughs) that's what you landed on (laughs) but that's what he wanted and it's you know obviously to declan he doesn't know any different but i always thought that very a very funny selection so is it just Gramps? It's not like Grandpa. That's correct. There's the, we the my kids do not have a Grandpa in the sense of like a titled Grandpa. You know, obviously, they have two grandfathers, but um, they they do not have anyone that they refer to as Grandpa. Hmm. And actually, uh, even my Grandma and Grandpa, who are Aaron, excuse me, who are my mom's parents, uh, the, I refer to them as Grandma and Grandpa. The kids refer to them as um, was it Great Grandma and Papa. And I'm not really mm-hmm. sure how that happened either. It just kind of happened, <laughs> but that's all right. I don't know. Anyway, we, we digress. Um, speaking of people being five, uh, and we're going to talk about this a little more later, uh, Declan turned five over the last uh, couple of weeks since we've recorded, but also over the last couple of weeks since we recorded, uh, somebody wrote in with a very fascinating email. And so this is, an, well, I'm not reading the email, but uh, Charles wrote us an email. This was the follow-up that you weirdly teased on our uh, last yes. episode. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, Charles wrote in uh, a few weeks ago now and said that they're listening to Analog from the beginning. And so it just so happened that a few weeks ago they were on episode nine. And that was the episode where you broke your shoelace and quit your job. And mm-hmm. what was fascinating was 
uh, in episode nine at about one hour, 10 minutes and 50 seconds. This is the end of the episode, basically. Mm-hmm. This is like the, lo- the lo- one of the last things you said before we said goodbye. Right. And so I said, and I'm quoting myself now, I really genuinely hope that five, five or, or 10, 10 years, years from, from now, now, one of us will play this very episode of this very podcast and laugh about how scared we were and it and realize that it was all for nothing. And sure enough, here we are five years later, and we're still recording the show and still talking about Relay because it is very, very much still a thing. Yeah, luckily Charles was the one who played it for themselves rather than me playing it for myself because I don't think... I mean, that episode is maybe one I would have listened to at some point. Sure. Right, because it's like a nice thing or whatever. Um, Especially because I'm actually uh, about to hit five years of being self-employed. Yeah. Like... Uh, very soon, actually. God, that's where it. Where is it? I'm looking in my calendar now. I know it's like coming up real soon. Well, this was recorded October 12th. So you, but you had still had a while before you actually quit. Is your point? Yeah, it was in November. Before you left, I should say you had quit at that point, or were about to quit, but you hadn't left. Yep, it was. Yeah, November was when I think it was November was when I uh actually quit. Mm-hmm. Like I I finished. Yeah, yeah. Donezo. Yeah, because this this episode, episode nine of this very program on oh, this very network, huh. the very day that this episode is released. Oh, is that right? Sunday, the tenth of November. I've been self-employed for five years. Huh. Look at that. Good planning on our part. Well, happy happy five year anniversary, Michael. Thank you. That's weird, right? God, we we, mm. we were both so nervous. Like I I was nervous just for you because this really didn't empirically uh-huh. affect me that much. But I was nervous. I can only imagine how you felt. It was a terrifying time. Golly. How long had you and Adina been together at that point? It was only like a year or two, right? Yeah. That's a lot happening and not a lot of space. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, I was a busy boy then. <laughs> you were a busy boy indeed. Oh, my word. Well, congratulations again. And uh, I, I really think that episode, it, it's funny. I really enjoy this program. I enjoy all of the things that we talk about on this program. I enjoy every episode of this program, but I find myself constantly referring to, what was it, episode six that I always forget the number? Five. Five. I always get it wrong. Uh, five and nine. <laughs> Did we peak early? I don't know. Has it all been downhill since then? But uh, five when Stephen, aforementioned Stephen Hackett was on and we talked about um, some really deep stuff with our families. And episode nine, when you quit your job, are two of the ones that I refer to often as as really great examples of this show. And I think... Well, we have, we have a bunch of waves though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because over the last five years, a lot has changed in our lives. So there are the first kind of like 10 episodes where I went on a massive change in my life right. and like quit my job and did all of that kind of stuff. And then we calmed down for a bit and then Declan arrives, right? Mm-hmm. Which is another big like arc. Mm-hmm. And then it calms down for a bit of wrecking normal life again. And then like I get married, right? And then we calm down for a bit. You know, and then you, and then I had a second kid, then quit your job, right? Like we have these, these times where this show becomes more like important and it is purely tied to events in our lives because that's what this show is about. Like ultimately now, like at this point, five years in, analog has just become like a diary for the two of us. <laughs> yeah. In actually, a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and in talking about things that are happening in our lives, and we're able to share these things with our listeners, right? Because people are going through similar things to us, because we were just talking about things that happen in people's lives. 
So like that's why like it was just that that time there was just like a lot happening. Yeah, no, I think that's a very fair characterization. It's funny describing to people, you know, what do I do for a living? And, you know, I, I have not come up with a really good elevator pitch, but uh, for a long time I said, you know, I have a podcaster and I have, you know, two podcasts and one of them is, you know, pretty popular, but extremely nerdy and not very approachable. And one of them is extremely approachable and, and I think, you know, in some ways more interesting. And people always ask, well, what is it about? Oh, well, uh, it's kind of a human interest show on my co-host and I. I know that sounds really mm-hmm. self-involved, but I don't really know how else to describe it. So anyway, tell me about the Yankees. You know, <laughs> It's always been tough to figure out how to like summarize analog in a nutshell. So actually, I will challenge the listeners. If you have a good one or two sentence summary of how you would describe analog, if you were trying to pitch analog to a friend, I would love to hear about it. So feel free to tweet at me uh, at Casey Lewis. Well, you know what? Just let us know because maybe it's time we actually change the description for the show. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> so many podcasts are about our digital devices. Analog is a show about how these devices make us feel and how they change our lives for the better, but also for the worse. Still accurate, Still but accurate. do with some updating. Yeah, I think very much so. Yes, yeah, so that's a challenge for the listeners. Yeah, I think it's that, I think it's the perfect thing to delegate. All right, tell me about something that's awesome. Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. They give you all of the tools that you're going to need to put your projects online. You can take advantage of and customize beautiful award-winning templates so your website's going to look fantastic on all types of devices. They give you the ability to register a unique domain name so people will have a domain name to type in and to arrive at your website. If you want to sell things online, physical or digital, they have online store capabilities as well. Squarespace can be used for just about any type of website, whether you want to make uh, like a blog, personal blog or a portfolio for your art, or maybe a website for your band or your restaurant, your business, um, or maybe you even want to create a website just for an event. They have templates for all of these types of things, but it's all super customizable. And you don't need to know how to code anything. It's it's all taken care of by Squarespace. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. It is an all-in-one platform. Squarespace have everything covered, and they back it up with award-winning 24-7 customer support. I have used Squarespace for uh, countless projects, maybe over the last decade. Um, been a massive fan of their product forever. That's why I'm always so happy to get to talk about them when they sponsor our shows. So you can go and try out Squarespace yourself right now by going to squarespace.com slash analog. You can start out with a free trial, no credit card required. You can build your entire website. And then when you're ready to show it to the world, you can sign up for one of their plans that start at just $12 a month. If you use the code analog when you check out, you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Show you support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash analog and the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. That was a good ad, J- Casey. That was very well done. Very I well nearly called you Jason, so I ruined it at the end. <laughs> but I felt like I did a good job with that one. You nailed it. It was very well done. And unfortunately, you forgot who you're talking to, but that's okay. That's not a problem. The ad, <laughs> the ad is all that's important. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. It could be anyone. Just get the ad. Just get that Listen ad. Listen to the ad. Oh, my word. Welcome back from your trip. Thank you. Yes. So uh, in case listeners were not aware, uh, at the end of October, Declan turned five years old. And uh, Aaron and and I decided, I don't know, six months or a year ago, maybe even more than that, that for his fifth, we were going to use that as an excuse. I mean, we were going to celebrate his fifth birthday by taking the family on its first real big vacation. And we decided we were going to spend a week in Disney World. Now, um, to set a little bit of context, 
Uh, Aaron is a humongous Disney fan. I am a big Disney fan, but Aaron makes me look like a, a amateur oh. at best. Um, I feel like I didn't know that. That Aaron's huge into Disney? Yeah. I feel like I didn't know that. She's not to the point that it like takes over her life, you know, because, and I don't mean that in a, in a nasty way, but there are people that like Disney is their everything and that's not Aaron at all. And you know, she doesn't like accessorize with Disney stuff all the time or anything like that. Now, that being said, she totally wore like Mickey Mouse earrings when she was at Disney world. But, but generally speaking, you know, she's not the sort of person who's always got like a Mickey somewhere on her. In fact, at Disney, when we were there, I saw a tremendous amount of people with like Mickey Mouse tattoos or like Cinderella's castle tattoos or things like that. Mm. Like Aaron is nowhere to that level, but she really, really enjoys Disney and has, you know, since ever. Uh, I also really like it. And so to set some context, when we got married, we honeymooned in Disney world. That's where we decided to go. Um, and I think that that was a tremendous amount of fun. I really enjoyed it. I would, I would do it again, uh, preferably with Aaron, but <laughs> I would do it again. Uh, and then for her 30th, uh, and this is actually slightly relevant for Mike, uh, for her 30th, uh, what I did was I told her, I need you to pack a bag for this weather report, which was Orlando. And I need you to pack a different bag for this weather report, mm-hmm. which was London, although she didn't know where they were. She just saw the, you know, the temperatures over the week and I will grab the bag we need. And that's where we'll be going. And then when we got to the airport and went to check in, I said, you know, hi, the two of us are traveling to Orlando. And that's when she realized where we were going. Um, and so Disney has a very, spe- all of that to say is to say that Disney has a very special place in our hearts. And we did go when Declan was like eight months old when we were in town for a wedding. Um, but he doesn't remember it, of course. And it was, we were there for like a day or two, or I, th- I think it was three days actually. And we accomplished almost nothing because this was when Declan was taking two naps and it takes a while to get him down for a nap and then, you know, do the nap and then get him up for the nap and back into the park and blah, 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 blah. So this was the first real vacation with all four of us where we were flying somewhere. It was Michaela's first flight. It was Declan's first flight since he was like a year and a half old. So effectively it was his first flight because he didn't remember the last time. Um, and it was, and nobody was meeting us there. Like last time he flew, uh, it was for my brother's wedding. And so we had like a whole bunch of family we were meeting where we were going and so on and so forth. So, uh, this was a big deal in a lot of ways and it was his fifth birthday, which only happens once. And so we went to Disney world and, uh, it was a tremendous amount of fun and I need a vacation for my vacation. I imagine it being like that with Disney because it feels like it's an a sensory overload. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be. Um, it's hard for me to perceive Disney from both someone who's never been to Disney or even someone who who says they don't care for it. So um, I can understand, especially if you've never been to Disney, how you could say. Yeah, you know, Disney is not for me. It's got to be just full of people and it's hot and too many crowds. And you're just standing around waiting in line to ride rides. It just seems dumb. And on paper, every one of those things is accurate. In fact, it was unbelievably hot when we were there. By the end of October, usually Florida is starting to cool down, but it was like 90 plus degrees every day, which Mike, I think that's in like the high 20s, low 30s for you. I think just think of your like really bad London heat waves. And that's what we're talking about. Um, but the difference is, and I don't think this is true in London, the difference is it was also extremely wet in the air. You know, it was extremely, extremely humid. Um, so it was like 95 plus degrees and 95% humidity. And that made it challenging to say the least. Mm. But uh, so here again, like on paper, no, no, I would not like to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to stand outside in 90 degrees and 90% humidity. No, I would not. But the thing about Disney is they do a lot of things extremely, extremely right. 
And I'm not trying to turn this entire show into a Disney podcast, so I'll try to be brief and kind of summarize. But one of the things they do is something called the Magical Express. And all that really is, is it's, it's a bus. But the idea is they send you luggage tags that you put on your luggage in Richmond or wherever you're coming from. And assuming you're not flying internationally, of course, you put these tags in your luggage and you bring them, you know, the, the checked bags, that is. You bring them to the, to the gate, or not the gate, but you bring them to the ticket counter at your local airport. And you say, goodbye, bags. And the next time you see those bags, they are in your hotel room in Disney World. Why would it not work internationally? Because customs. Because you have to collect the bags. And then I think you can optionally like give them back to Disney at that point. So you don't have to transport them to your room. But Disney can't take possession of the bags until you have had them. So for me, mm. though, I didn't see my bag from the moment it left me in Richmond until it was in my hotel room in Florida. Like, right. They picked it up. They brought it to the hotel. They brought it to the room, et cetera, et cetera. For you, I think you would have to collect it and then re- hand it back to Disney if you so choose. And they'll take it to your hotel if you'd like. But at that point, you've already kind of lost some of the magic, unfortunately. But anyway, the point is, you know, so I give I give Richmond my luggage and then you know, we arrive in Orlando. We get on a bus. The bus brings us to our hotel. We check into the hotel and then we go to the parks and have fun for a few hours. And by the time we get back to the hotel room, the luggage is there. It's not an earth shattering thing. It's not that big a deal, but it's nice. It makes things mm-hmm. nice. And, you know, we, we did something called the D- Disney dining plan where you pay an absurd amount of money so that you don't have to pay money to eat while you're there. You don't have to pay for gratuities. You have to pay tips, but, uh, you don't have to pay for your meals. And that's super nice because then you're not nickel and diming yourself the whole time. And, uh, we, we paid for uh, a relatively nice hotel room, but, and we got a pretty good deal on it through various and sundry reasons, which may, we may or may not get into in a moment. But, um, but you know, we got a really nice room that had a little kitchenette in it so we could make our own breakfast every morning. And we had groceries delivered to the hotel, so we had eggs and milk and things like that so we could eat breakfast in the room and have some amount of normalcy, uh, even despite being in an extremely abnormal place. But also, Disney, just everything about it, they just take care of you. They take care of everything. And... It's just, it really is, to me anyway, a very magical place. And much like, I've, I've often described Disney as like the geographic equivalent of Christmas. And by that, I mean, you can be in a bad mood at Christmas time. You can, but it's hard. For a lot, a lot of people anyway. It's very hard to be in a bad mood at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> or not. Significantly depending on your family arrangement. That's fair. Yeah, sure. Right? Because some for some people, Christmas is the hardest time of the year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I totally. understand what you're saying. Just want to make it clear that we get that. Yeah, no, people uh, that, I'm, you glad, know. I'm glad you interrupted me because that, that is a yeah. fair point. Um, but I think for your average Christmas person, you know, Christmas celebrator, that, you know, you can be in a bad mood at Christmas, but it's hard. And I feel like at Disney World, I can be in a bad mood at Disney World, but it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. And... And that's kind of what it's what it's like. So it it was a really interesting experience for Aaron and I watching Declan and Michaela take all this in. And so mm. uh, Disney World to put things in perspective, um, you know. So Mike wrote in the show doc in the in the show notes, which park did you go to? Which is not an unreasonable question. Never been to either of them. Well, so I don't know what ones what. Well, so here's the thing. So we went to Walt Disney World, which is Florida, as opposed to Disneyland, which is in California, which I think you understood already. Is that the original one? No. So California uh, in Anaheim, I believe it's in Anaheim, is Disneyland. And that was the the original. That's the OG. And Mm -hmm. I have very complicated feelings about Disneyland because every Californian I've ever met seems to think that that's the only one that matters. Well, I'm sure. But like, just because they live there, I'm sure that everyone in Florida 
automatically assumes that Disney World is the only one that matters because it's there. Agreed. Uh, but the thing with Disneyland is it is very small by comparison. So Disneyland... Oh, really? Yes. So Disneyland mm. now has two parks. And I don't have like stats in front of me, but they have... If, I, if memory serves, it's been a long time since I've been to Disneyland. They have Disneyland itself, and then they have California Adventure. And I'm not sure where Star Wars fits into this. Maybe that's now a third park to them. I'm, I'm really unclear on that. But... For the longest time, it was two parks. It was uh, Disneyland itself and California Adventure. So Disneyland, leaving aside California Adventure, is roughly analogous to the Magic Kingdom in Florida. So Disneyland, accepting California Adventure, is about the same as Magic Kingdom in Florida. There are three other entire parks and two water parks outside of the Magic Kingdom in Disney World. So Disney hmm. World is way bigger. In fact, as as you had put this in the show notes, I started to think, well, what can I use as like a rough order of magnitude to really hammer home to Mike how big Disney World is? And so I was looking at uh, Wikipedia and it says that Disney World is about 40 square miles. And I don't have the figures in kilometers, but I want to say it was like 100 square kilometers, something like that. Uh, that may be all wrong. I'm sorry. A but million I do, kilometers. It's a million kilometers in every direction. Uh, but I do know it was about 40 square miles. And the city of Bath in England, which I think you were just in recently, if not, if I'm yep. not mistaken, is about 10 square miles. So Disney World's, so Disney World's property is about four times the size of Bath, England. Now that being said, only about half of it is in use right now. But just to put things in perspective, if you take all of Bath and multiply it by four, that's how that's how big Disney World is. That's quite big. Yeah. So so there's four parks at Disney World. There's Magic Kingdom, which again is very analogous to Disneyland. There's Animal Kingdom, which is where the Avatar stuff is, that whole Pandora land, um, which was interesting to go see. There's uh, Hollywood Studios, which I might call MGM. That's what it used to be called years and years and years ago. That's where Star Wars is on the East Coast. There's a Star Wars on the West Coast and Disneyland as well. Um, and then Epcot, which is the thing with the big geodesic, uh, sphere that, that you kind of think of when you think of Disney world, uh, that's called spaceship earth. So we went to all four, uh, magic kingdom is very much kitty oriented. So very, very understandably Declan was most interested in going back to the magic kingdom. Basically the first two thirds about of the week we had planned out pretty meticulously. And then the bottom or the, the ending third of the week, we basically said to Declan, okay, now that you've seen everything, what would you like to do? And that basically amounted to go to Magic Kingdom and ride one particular ride, but that was fine. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. At this juncture. Yeah. Why would you go to all of it? Like, do you do it just because you're there and you want to see it all? Or is there like, like, what is the reason for, for thinking, oh, we'll go see all of it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So... Every park has its own unique charm. So Hollywood Studios is very much built like a, like a film set. And so as an example, there's a really good 3D movie there, uh, Muppet Vision 3D, that mm -hmm. Declan really enjoyed. There was also in Hollywood Studios a, I forget the name of the ride, but it was basically a Lightning McQueen from Cars, like interactive theater show thing, mm -hmm. which he loved because he's super into what he calls cars and trucks, but really it's just the movie Cars. Um, and so we wanted him to see that in Epcot. Um, there's a uh, Soren, which is Aaron's favorite ride in all of Disney world. Uh, and one of my favorites as well. There's a couple other rides that are really good. Plus there's the world showcase, which includes, so the world showcase, if you're not familiar, I got to back up just a half step. So Epcot is kind of like two parks in one. The front half of Epcot is just kind of like, Hey, technology, future stuff. Yay. And then the back half 
is all these different pavilions, as they call it, that represent different countries. There's an England pavilion, there's a France, there's Morocco, there's Mexico, and all these different places. And it's sort of almost like wandering around the world because they're themed and they look like those places. Some of them have rides that represent those places. And so I bring all this up to say in Norway, there used to be, um, oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank at the name of it. Uh, Maelstrom was the ride years and years ago, but once Frozen became a thing, suddenly the Maelstrom decided to rebrand itself as Frozen something, something, something. So in Epcot, there was a Frozen ride and Declan likes Frozen as every normal kid tends to. And so we wanted him to see that. And then in Animal Kingdom, there's a bunch of animals. And so among other things, they have a safari ride where you get on a big truck bus thing and they take you through an animal preserve, if you will, uh, where there's real live animals. And so we wanted him to see that. And so that's a lot to say that every single park had something that appealed to him and we wanted him to see all of it. Now we didn't go to any of the water parks because we thought, oh, well, that's not probably going to appeal to him quite as much. And there's also like a shopping area that that's got a lot of bars and things that's much, much more adult oriented. And so obviously we didn't take him there either. But for the four main parks, Magic Kingdom, which is like Disneyland, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios and Epcot, we wanted him to see all of them and get a taste for them because who knows, maybe he'd decide that Epcot is his jam, even even though we expected him to like Magic Kingdom. And guess what? He loved Magic Kingdom. Okay, but like my, my kind of the, my point that I was trying to drive at, like, do you go to see everything because you're there? So you're like, well, we're here, so we should go and see everything. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, so I think what you're asking around because it way, seems like it's a lot to to go to. It is. It very much is. Um, basically every day we would start the day in one park and often, but not always end the day in a different park. You know, we would go to, go to say magic kingdom in the morning, come back for Michaela to nap and all of us to nap actually. And then, uh, in the afternoon, go to animal kingdom or something like that. And it is a lot to do, but we wanted him to experience all of it. And frankly, I wanted to, and Aaron wanted to experience all of it too, as much as we could, because it is a very rare, very, very rare privilege that we get to go to Disney world. And, Money, no object, all things being equal. I think I would go to Disney World every year if I could. Uh, I absolutely would. I love it that much. But money is an object and all things are not equal. And so that's not something we'll be able to do every year. And additionally, Declan will be entering kindergarten next year. And when kids are in school is when you want to go to Disney. Well, once he's out of preschool and in kindergarten, it's a less easy discussion to pull him from school just to go to Disney World. And you'd have to take him out. Yeah. But I'm sure that happens a lot, though. I, I'm sure it does, but it, it just makes everything more complicated. And sure. so, uh, but, you know, if you think about it, like summertime, uh, I don't know if you guys do this. Uh, maybe you call it an Easter vacation, but we have spring break here in the States. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's anywhere from March to May. And basically the entirety of March to May, Disney World is a zoo. The summertime, despite the fact that it's a gazillion degrees, Disney World is a zoo. Uh, Thanksgiving time, Christmas time, New Year's, all a zoo. And then apparently on January like 2nd, it becomes a ghost town because everyone's going back for school. So, you know, if we were to go again, I don't know what we would do in terms of what time of year. But uh, but yeah, to, to come back to your point, we wanted to see all of it. We wanted him to experience all of it. And I wanted to see and experience all of it one more time. Is a week enough time? <sighs> it's enough, but I wanted more. I think another couple of days would have really been nice. But I right. would rather end the the trip saying, darn it, I can't believe we have to go home today, then end the trip saying, 
oh God, why did we stay Thank so you. long? You know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's also, you know, we, we tried to take it a little easier than when Aaron and I go. When Aaron and I go, we'll go as soon as the parks open and they open earlier if you stay in one of the Disney-owned hotels. Like they have what's called extra magic hours, which is to say, if you're staying at a Disney property... Everything is branded. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Oh, yes. Everything. Which, if you find that distasteful, you will hate Disney World. But if, <laughs> you'll, if you allow yourself to get swept up in it, it is yeah. super delightful. It really is. Um, okay. and you know, there's, they're they're dining. I think it's really good. My understanding is, you know, 20, 30 years ago it was crap, but I think it's wonderful. Now the food was great. They do character meals where you can, and I mm. think, it, I think they're probably a fortune if you pay cash, but it was part of the dining plan. And so we had a breakfast with, um, actually it was a very, uh, very Mike breakfast. We saw Alice in Wonderland, uh, Alice from Alice in Wonderland. We saw, uh, Mary Poppins. We saw Winnie the Pooh. Uh, who else we see Tigger. It was a very, very, uh, English breakfast. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, then we also had a dinner with, uh, Mickey and Minnie and Pluto and Goofy and somebody else. I'm drawing a blank and Donald Is that Duck. an uncomfortable experience? I feel like it would be an uncomfortable experience for me. If it was just Aaron and me and me. Yes. But I think I put on my, um, Instagram stories, my close friends' Instagram stories. I don't think I posted this anywhere publicly. I might have, but the, there's a picture that either me or Aaron took of Declan seeing Mickey Mouse up close and personal. And you have to understand these, you know, these characters. There's of course humans in them. It's not like animatronic or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And there's humans in there, and they can't talk because none of them can really do the voice, and so they're not allowed to talk. They can just emote, you know, with hand gestures and what so on and so forth. What about the people that are humans? What do you mean? Is it uncomfortable for them? Do they talk? No. Oh, oh you mean like the, the people that are not dressed in a suit? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So Alice in Wonderland, yeah, absolutely. Alice talked. Okay. Um, the Mad Hatter we saw, uh, he talked and did a very good Mad Hatter impersonation. Now you see, they, I feel like they need to find a way to deal with that. Because Agreed. it's like, why, why will the Mad Hatter talk to me, but Mickey won't talk to me? I agree, but the thing is, at five years old, he did not put that together. I don't think he even realized mm. they didn't talk. Now, at seven or ten right, or whatever, okay. that's a different thing. But sure. anyway, I, I I don't have a picture of this posted anywhere publicly. I might or might not add it to the show notes, because I'm really kind of touchy about putting pictures of him up, um, generally speaking. But um, I have a picture of him with this just ear-to-ear -ear smile with Mickey Mouse, you know, six inches from his face, and I have never seen that kid so happy in my life. And mm. for that the character dining is absolutely worth it. It was a little weird for us, for the adults, but watching the two of them, Michaela as well, watching the two of them just light up seeing these characters is absolutely worth the price of admission. I don't know. It's fun. It's, it's, it's Did a lot, Do you have though. any new favorite parts or, like, surprises? Yes, actually. Um, we went to Hollywood Studios a couple times, um, and they have a toy story land within Hollywood studios, which is a handful of rides. It's not that much. And one of the rides was, um, toy story mania. And so what this was is you sit in a car, there's two people per car. Oh, I'm sorry. There's four people per, per car, but you're back to back. So it's like, you know, me and Michaela next to me. And then behind me, facing the opposite direction are Aaron and Declan. Does that hopefully mm -hmm. make some amount of sense? Mm -hmm. And you're moving in this car between different like video screens. 
So you'll move you know, 10, 20 feet and you'll, there'll be a huge video screen in front of you. And in the car is like a little thing, like a slingshot, like a fake slingshot. So you, you got a little ball that you hold onto attached to a string and you pull the ball back and release. And then it just, you know, shoots forward back into the, like the little gun apparatus. I'm not doing a great job describing it, but the key is that you have on 3D glasses and the screens are showing you shooting at things with like paint or or like shooting a ring over like one of the green aliens from Toy Story, you know? So it's all very wholesome and very, very, um, very innocent. But the idea is you're trying to like break plates or, you know, put rings on the little green aliens from Toy Story or whatever the case may be. And it's a game and you're trying to score points. And it was incredibly well done. Like the technology behind it was excellent. I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be a snoozer for the adults. And I wanted to ride that thing like 15 times. <laughs> it hmm. was it was surprisingly good. I think that's probably their, um, their main challenge all the time. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. That they, you know, if you're going to make everyone wait for an hour to get in the to get on this ride it's going to be fun for everyone how does the lining up do you have to wait in lines for hours sort of so this is a 40 minute conversation i'll distill into 40 seconds so you can up to like three months in advance i believe you can get what's called a fast pass and yeah the, I, the, they have fast passes in in theme parks yeah i was gonna too. say pretty much every theme park does something like this but you can actually go on the web or using their app and you can pre-reserve a fast pass, which is to say from the hours of, you know, let's say 10 to 11, you can ride this ride and you can basically, there's a separate queue, but it's effectively cutting to the front of the queue. And so mm -hmm. what we did was we tried to plan our fast passes, you know, such that all the really, really popular rides we would cover with a fast pass and then everything else we could just walk onto and we would wait in a standby line. And in late October, when most kids are in school, I'd say we waited for a couple of rides for like 20, 30 minutes, but generally speaking, yeah, that's great. It's, it wasn't that bad. And there were some rides that we would get off, go back to the front of the queue, the, 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 or go back and get in the queue and ride it in pretty much immediately again. Mm -hmm. um, now, that wasn't every ride by any stretch, but it, there were a couple. the rides that you did the fast passes on, would you have waited a long time for those if you hadn't? Some yes, some no. I'm trying to think of a great example. Like, okay, it's a small world. I think we did a fast mm -hmm. pass for everyone knows that. You know, it's a small yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that you can get a fast pass for, and I think we did uh, once. Mm -hmm. And I would not have done that if it was just Aaron and me. Like it was again. I wanted Declan to see it. I thought he and Michaela would enjoy it, and they did. But generally speaking, I would not wait. And th that the line for Small World could be like an hour long, which to me is preposterous. Well, yeah, because it's like everyone will go to that ride on their first time at Disney because mm -hmm. it's like the cl a class I know it. Yep, exactly. Right? Like it's just part of pop culture. Yep, exactly right. And you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, another example, like that ride is better than It's a Small World, but still ultimately not that exciting. Now it's a landmark. I believe the Florida one is actually quite a bit crappier than the California one. I think the California one is quite a bit longer if memory serves, but nevertheless, it's still a classic. It's still, you know, something you kind of have to cross off the list and people will wait for like, 60 90 minutes for that and i just think that's preposterous but people mm. do it uh but yeah that toy story ride was a real big surprise i also did go to uh galaxy's edge which is a star wars land now to set a bit of context i enjoy star wars i am not a star wars super fan like almost every other nerd on relay fm <laughs> i am i'm sorry david sparks and dan morin and and John Syracuse and, and everybody everyone, else and everyone else. I, I enjoy it. It's not that I don't enjoy it. And I, I kind of wish I loved it the way everyone else does. I, I do like it a lot, but I don't, you know, base my year on star Wars. Like some people do. Um, mm -hmm. I went to galaxy's edge or we went to galaxy's edge in the day. And then we, I went alone at night and we can talk about that in a second, but 
I also did not realize how big a fan of Star Wars Aaron was. I knew she liked it. It turns out she likes it quite a bit because watching her eyes as she's walking around Galaxy's Edge, that was also worth the price of admission. Like I knew she enjoyed Mm. Star Wars, but I thought she and I were kind of even up. And it turns out she really likes Star Wars a lot more than I thought. Yeah, at least she the, the level at which she likes it has much more of an emotional response to being like immersed in it. Right, exactly. And I got to tell you, when you turn a corner and you see the Millennium Falcon sitting there, I don't care how much of a Star Wars fan you are. This is why I want to go. Like, so I've always wanted to go to Disney. Uh, I've done Euro Disney or Disneyland Paris, as it's called, and yep, it's yep, fine. Yep. And I would like to go back there just because it is so close and see what it's like now. But I really want to go to Disney World. Like I, re- or I would do either because I have no comparison. Sure. I have no, you know. So I, I want to go to one of them. I would expect we will probably go to Disneyland because I think we have more of a desire to be in like L.A. Sure. Than Orlando. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, I feel like we would always because a dinner is not as keen as as I am. I think we would have to find a way to couple it into <laughs> another trip. Sure. Right. So it's like you know something for me and something for you kind of thing. Yep. 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 Um. But I desperately want to go now because I want to go to one of the Star Wars dealios. Yep. Yeah. And I, as far as I know, they're basically equivalent. The Disney, the yeah. Disneyland one opened a couple of months before Disney World, but I think they're roughly par. My understanding, what I know about them is that they are, they are identical. Yeah. So you turn the corner and you see the Millennium Falcon, and even me, I was stopped dead in my tracks. It's it's incredible. And seeing it at night was even more incredible. And uh, not to turn this into a tech show, but. This iPhone that I had with me, ah. taking these night photos in in the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge area of Hollywood Studios, I, I I was almost brought to tears. It was so incredible the pictures I was able to take. And yeah, and this this phone, I I, I had my big camera with me, and we've talked about this. I've talked about this on ATP. I've talked about this here. I had my big you camera spoke with about me it on the show last time. Yeah, you and Stephen. Did. Uh, I've I had the big camera with me, and I used it occasionally. Like, it's not mm-hmm. that I don't like it anymore, but half the time I thought, you know, because of this reason or that reason, I bet the phone will do better. And I bet uh, it couldn't give you the night photos, oh, right? No, my big camera, you know I mean? absolutely not. Now, Steven has a much better night camera than I do, but even still, I bet the phone would have done better than his beloved Sony. Uh, the, the photos at, at, at Galaxy's Edge at night were insane. And I have heard, we were not there at night, but I've heard that the Pandora Land and Animal Kingdom that's based off of, you know, Avatar, I've heard that is also incredible at night. Um, I I am very much not a fan of the Avatar movie. I thought it was way overblown and kind of silly in a lot of ways. It was a great 3D movie. Maybe, maybe it's because I didn't see it in 3D. I don't know. Uh, that was an absolutely wonderful experience in 3D, but I don't get the, the love of the movie. Exactly. Yeah, and everyone seemed to think it was like the best movie in the entire world, blah, blah, blah. And I thought it was fine. Which is why they're making like another four of them. Or yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I thought Pandora was super cool, though. Less so than Galaxy's Edge, but I still thought it was super cool. And I can only imagine how good it looked at night. So Galaxy's Edge was was definitely a surprise. I did end up, so basically one night, Aaron said, hey, look, I'm tired. I just want to sit here and chill. But if you have the energy and you want to go back out and do a couple of like big roller coasters and something like that, feel free. Like the kids are asleep. I'm just going to sit here and watch a movie, you know, cause I had my iPad hooked up to the TV. I'll watch a movie like a chick flick that you're not interested in or something. Uh, you go out and have fun for a couple hours if you want, which was extremely kind of her. And that's what I did. And I went to Hollywood studios and I went and, and saw galaxy's edge at night. And I did ride the, uh, whatever the name of the ride is that lets you ride in the millennium Falcon here again. I, I like star Wars. I like it a lot. 
but oh my God, walking onto the Millennium Falcon was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was just Mm -hmm. mind numbing because this is something I've lived since I was eight or whatever. Whenever the first Mm -hmm. time I was allowed to watch Star Wars, I've lived in this world to some degree, not like a lot of other people, but at least to some degree. And suddenly it feels as though you're there. It feels as though you're on the movie set and it's hard not to get emotional about it. Like it was extremely, extremely cool. Yeah, you're making me want to do this thing more. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you, it's worth it's worth experiencing. You know, it's like to me, it's kind of like New York. Like you can look at New York and say, "Oh, the people are mean. The city's dirty. The subway doesn't work. Everyone's in a rush. The weather sucks. Why would I want to go to New York?" Well, I can tell you why you want to go to New York because people aren't really mean. They're actually just they're nice, but they're focusing on themselves. The food is incredible. The weather isn't that bad. The subway is its own delightful mess in its own way. There's so many reasons to go to New York, but if you look at it on the surface, yeah, New York sucks. Well, I think Disney is the same way. Like Disney on the surface, it sucks. Like it's hot, it's lines, it's people everywhere, all many of whom are obnoxious because hello, American. <laughs> There's just so many problems with Disney on the surface, but once you're there, it really is incredible. And uh, I just, I, I, I can think of, only a handful of places that I've been that I, that I would want to go back to more than Disney world. Like I would probably mm-hmm. want to go back to London more than I'd want to go back to Disney world, but it's close. And, and I know, you know, Mike, how much I really adore London. Like it, mm-hmm. I love Disney and it's also, it's different with family. Like we don't need to belabor it, but suffice to say, uh, having two little kid kids is challenging. Um, especially because, uh, Michaela decided that she did not want to ride in the stroller ever. She wanted to either walk or push the stroller. And when you're nice. trying to bounce between parks and bounce between rides, that made things challenging, to say the least. Um, and plus, to your point earlier, Mike, it is overwhelming, and it's easy for me to forget how overwhelming it is for them. There's so many lights and so many sounds and so many things to look at, and it is so and so crowded and so unlike our day-to-day, it's easy for me to forget how intense Disney is. But ultimately, I think all four of us loved it. I think all four of us would go again next year if we can. Um and so I, I strongly encourage Mike, be it land or be it world, if you, have, if you have the opportunity to do it, even just for a day, I cannot stress enough how much fun it is. And at the end of the day, we did this to celebrate Declan's fifth birthday, and I really think that he had an incredible, incredible vacation, and that's all that really matters. Well, welcome back. Please you. have a great time. Yeah, you should do it sometime and uh, maybe invite me so I can have an excuse to go. <laughs> okay. On these trips, it's good to have uh, luggage. Do you and know what, Do you Mike? know who thinks the best, best luggage? I do know because you know what our carry-on was when we went down to Florida? Away carry-on? It was an away. Away make thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. They start with the perfect suitcase and offer now a range of essentials that solve real-world travel problems. Away's luggage is loaded with features, like just their carry-on. It's lightweight, durable, made to last for a lifetime of travel, comes in an array of colors in two sizes and two materials, has TSA-approved combination locks to keep your luggage safe, and a removable laundry bag to separate dirty clothes from clean clothes. And the bigger carry-on is sized up to make the most of the overhead bin. Away suitcases, they are designed to last a lifetime. You get a 100-day trial on everything, plus free shipping within US, Europe, and Australia. Australia is a new one. I think that is new. So, that's new. So now if you're in Australia and you're like, oh man, I wanted one of those away suitcases, now you can get one shipped to free, for free. You get the 100-day trial. I love my away cases. Um, they have one, a newer one that I really like, uh, which is it's like a different size of their carry-on. And I bought it myself recently and have been absolutely in love with it. We also changed our suitcases to away carry-ons. It's the daily carry with pocket. 
it's super cool. They also have, uh, I saw about this recently, I think they're doing like different materials and stuff now on some of their cases. I'm such a big fan. Like I, I, I have loved uh, away cases for years. Yeah, they do something called the expandable now, where instead of them being made from the uh, polycarbonate, they're made from um, nylon. Oh, interesting! I did not know that. So they have more like expansions, like so you can do those zips where you make the case bigger and bigger. You know, mm. it's like one of those types of things. It's really cool. Uh, I love this stuff. So go and check it out for yourself. Go to awaytravel.com slash analog and you'll get $20 off a suitcase when you use the promo code analog during checkout. That is awaytravel.com slash analog and the promo code analog during checkout for $20 off any of their suitcases. Our thanks to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's do some Relay Your Feels. Yes, please. Mernaz wants to know what day of the week your calendar start on. This is all your fault. So a month or two ago, whenever it was, I was listening to a program on this very network called Cortex. And my friends, Mike and Gray, started talking about how it is preposterous to start your calendar on a Sunday. Why would you do that? There's no Mm -hmm. point. Exactly. And I listened to this and I was like, oh, come. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. That does kind of make sense, doesn't it? Makes perfect sense. Why do I start my calendar on a Sunday? That makes no sense at all. Why do I do this? And so within days of that episode uh, airing, I have slowly started to meander getting the entire family on a Monday through Sunday calendar as as opposed to a Sunday to Sunday calendar. This was met with quite a bit of resistance from my beloved, uh, but over time she's gotten, uh, she's either given up on it or (laughs) gotten used to it, maybe both. Um, But yeah, all my electronic calendars start start on Monday now, and we have a printed calendar, and this is where the resistance came from. We basically print out from a uh, calendar on the Mac. We print out a, the current month and stick it on the fridge just as having like, just as a quick reference. Mm. And that calendar, I genuinely did it by accident the first time. Um, I want to ask, I have so many questions. Okay. About calendar. Okay. So hold on. But um, I, I, when I printed that, the, you know, I do that at the end of every month and I printed it and I, I had forgotten to switch uh, the calendar app on the Mac back to Sunday to Sunday. Cause I was trying to play nice and, you know, do what's good for her. And I just forgot. And then I just kept forgetting. And so now the printed calendar runs Monday through Sunday as they should. And so, yes, I am now on the Monday calendar train, uh, just like you and gray. You said you had questions. Yeah. I'm also a Monday person. That's how it is here anyway. But I think it also just makes sense. Like you have the weekend at together at the end of the week (laughs) right at the end of the week and then the rest of the work week you have kind of split out into monday to friday i think that makes perfect sense like that's why i always do it it's how i was brought up and it's what i think is the most logical but i want to ask about this uh this monthly calendar Mm -hmm. situation so you have events on a calendar you print out that calendar and stick it on the fridge right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm what happens when you add an event? <laughs> Where does it go? Good question. So it goes, it, it is added electronically. Like the source of record is what is ultimately a shared Google calendar between the two of us. Okay. But it is nice but. to be able to look at the calendar in the kitchen when a lot of planning and orchestrating and things get done and just get a general gist of what's busy and what isn't, you know what I mean? Mm. And so if we were to schedule something, we would start by saying, okay, let's look at the calendar on the fridge. And that'll answer if it's even a possibility. And if we remember, we will mm. write with pen and you know on the ca- on the kitchen calendar and add events as necessary. But the kitchen calendar is more of like a thumb in the wind, just a general gist of what's happening. It is never ever ever considered the calendar of record for the family. I don't know it works for mm. us. I can I can see how that sounds preposterous and terrible. 
Uh, it's just been something we've done for forever. So I, I think, I, I don't know how damaging it would be to stop doing it, but it's just something we've always done. We'll probably continue to do. I understand it, but it is still very interesting to me because I can just, all when I look at a system like that, all I see is the inevitable problems of having this system that is uh, being updated in two different ways. Oh, agreed, agreed. But also consider that something isn't going to happen in our family unless it's on the family calendar, and the family calendar lives inside our phones. So even right. even if we want to schedule something, so let's say I'm on the phone with my mom and, and or my mom and dad, and they want to come over on the 15th. And I look at the printed calendar on the fridge and I say, okay, that sounds good. Well, the next thing I want to do is I'm going to put it in my phone on the 15th. And then I will see if there is a conflict that didn't make it onto the printed calendar. You know what I mean? So I mm-hmm. agree with you. I do agree with you. But ultimately, since nothing happens in the family unless it's on the electronic calendar and that th- at the point in which we add it to the electronic calendar, that will let us know if there are any conflicts or issues. Interesting. Okay. It's a little weird. I, I would admit. There's a part of me that wants to solve this with technology, but I don't think it can be done in a in a clean way, right? Like yeah. you could be like, "Oh, just have an iPad in the kitchen with a camera on it," which, like, yes, yeah, would work, but it still needs to be unlocked. It can't just be looked at, right? Exactly. If, that was, if you could have like an e-ink display on the fridge, that oh. up, like that would be amazing, oh, right? That would be very nice. But I don't think that such a thing would exist that would allow you to show that calendar. Well, let's make it. Cortexmerch.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't stop me on that. I, I'm, I can... I'm only slightly kidding. That would be kind of cool. Though. And, uh, Johan asks, <laughs> how often do you charge your AirPods? Uh, since getting the Qi version of AirPods, um, I basically once or twice a day, I'll throw it on my Qi charger by the bed just for like you know, five or ten minutes when I'm doing something else. Um, it is extremely rare that I have to let it sit for, you know, an hour or two in order to charge very, very rarely. I'll plug it into a lightning cable. That's also by my bed for that very reason. But generally speaking, it's, you know, I guess like 10, 10 or 15 minutes a day on the Qi charger. How about you? Uh, I do not charge it every day. I just charge it randomly. It's completely random. My charging. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I tend to do it almost every day, but yeah, it's not like I have a routine wherein every morning while I brush my teeth, I'm charging my airpods or anything like that um generally speaking it just happens once every day or maybe every other day at most and i will say that pretty much anytime i'm traveling anywhere and by that i mean leaving the home i do have the airpods in my little change pocket or fifth pocket or whatever you call it in my jeans or shorts or what have you so i am almost always with it i don't understand that this this, the, the change pocket thing i don't do that i just put them in a pocket you see but then it's for me anyway it's intermingled with like my keys and my yeah, but that pocket's and... small. It's perfect for the AirPods, though. I'm worried it will pop out of there. No, no, it's almost too small for the AirPods, which makes it perfect. So what you do is you you, you just uh. kind of pull it open, and then you push on the bottom of the AirPods, and you're pushing them out of the pocket, you know what I mean? It makes for nice, easy, quick extraction. Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem easy for me. That seems like easy way to shoot them out and then not catch them, and then they smash on the floor and spill out all uh, over the place, and then that, you've lost them. That has happened to me, except the losing part, See? a couple of times. But it's only Never a couple of times. Never like, just reach in my pocket and grab uh, them. It's only been a couple of times in like three years or four years, whatever the AirPods have been around for. Uh, Ryan wants to know, what does it take to be a good producer for a podcast you're not on? I'm not done with this. I'm not. We're not done. Oh, my I have apologies. more questions. Okay, go ahead. Did you get the Pro Boys? Ah, uh, Michael, no. I haven't. What? You're such a fan of the AirPods. <sighs> Michael, 
Okay, so here's the thing. You are like the the most effusive AirPod owner that I know. I figured you would have gone for the Pro. Uh, okay, so there's two different questions here. Do I want the Pro? Yes. Do I have I bought the Pro? No. And my bonus third question: Do I need the Pro? Eh, probably not. Yeah, you not. do, man. Uh, so I haven't I haven't bought the Pros because I have perfectly good AirPods that I bought what like six months ago or something like that. Whenever the Qi charging ones came out, I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. what it was. They're perfectly good. They work fine. And Erin does not have her own set of AirPods, but she doesn't really have any particular interest in AirPods. She's just not filling a need that she has in her life. And it's kind of awkward, as discussed on the last ATP, it's kind of awkward, like, reselling AirPods, because who would want them? Yeah, I have, like, this second set now, and it's like, all right, I'll try, I guess I'll try and find a use for you. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. Like, I, I think they're going to go on my, like, Christmas and Hanukkah list, but I, and I, I could just buy them. You know, I am a grown man, and I could just buy them. But it seems also kind of wasteful when I have these perfectly good AirPods that have zero problems that I just bought a few months ago for like almost $200. Why would I do another 250 bucks, whatever it is now? Because these are really good. Uh, I know. I know. But Think of everything you love about the AirPods that make you think the AirPods is a special product, right? Think yeah. of all of those things. Oh, you get all of those and a bunch more things that make them even more special. I know, I know. But the noise cancellation is unbelievable. The fact that you can now do like the skipping forward and back is awesome. Uh, they're smaller. Like I was walking around today and like AirPods, the old AirPods look weird to me again because they're like the stalks are way longer. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I actually prefer the case in its format now rather like the long, the long case rather than the short case. You will love this product. I'm telling you right now. I know. I should just get them, but I just, it feels so wasteful. It just feels so wasteful. And that's the problem I have with it. Oh, if only you had, a, if only you could business expense them. Uh, if only. That would be amazing. Uh, why are you doing this? You're, usually Marco does this to me, not you too. Well, <laughs> you need to be encouraged. I know. Because I know. it's a genuinely excellent product. I know. I, I should get a pair. Ugh. The best thing Apple's released this year, probably. I don't know. The, the Pro Phone is very good. The Pro Phone actually. is incredible. It's that close. They're close. They're close in running. I'll tell you that. All right, fine. Because what's good on the phone is the camera. Camera and the battery. The rest of the phone, like whatever. I take yep. it or leave it. Agreed. Well, the green too. But like the rest of it is just like, all right, whatever. What have you done for me lately? You know what's going to happen is I got to go to Apple to uh, get my phone repaired because now that I'm back from Disney, there's no reason not to. And uh, and I'm going to be there and I'm going to pay $100 to get this phone repaired. And then I'm just going to accidentally slip and pay another 250 or whatever dollars it is. For well, <laughs> provided they have them in stock. Uh, it's a fair point. Fair point. You should do that though. You should think of it as a gift. A reward to past Casey <laughs> for breaking my phone. <laughs> no, for getting Apple Care. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the money that you've saved, you could buy two or three sets of AirPods. Something like that. I'm not sure Aaron would look at it the same way, but I'm with you in principle. Business uh, expense. Yeah, that solves all problems, right? It does. Uh, yeah, yeah. Solves a lot of them. All right, Ryan would like to know what does it take to be a good producer for a podcast you're not on. This is a very interesting question, and I do not know if I have a good answer like i don't consider myself a producer of any shows right like that's not i don't we don't really do that i give assistance to people on the network who have questions and we help people get set up and like deal with stuff but like in my mind a producer is then always involved Mm -hmm. and we don't want to be involved i want and like me and stephen feel that way we want the hosts 
of our shows to feel like they can be creative, like to the to, on their own in their own way, right? True. Like without having like Big Brother watching over them at all times. But I would say for the things that I do, it's like I just try my best to use the experience that I have to guide people when they need help. Um, I don't really know what more to suggest other than that, to be honest. Like if somebody's asked you to be in the producer role, I guess you help them move, like do do, help them do their research. Uh, You give honest and constructive feedback about the way the show sounds and the way that the host chemistry is working, stuff like that. Those are the things that I guess I pay attention to when people ask me for my advice, but I don't really consider myself a producer. Yeah, that's fair. I've never done anything like this for any show I've not been on, so I, I don't have the faintest idea how to answer this question. Uh, but generally speaking, if you think of I, what I perceive the role of a producer to be, it's the idea is just to get problems out of the way, right? And whatever that problem might be, get it out of the way. And it's not unlike a project manager in you know, my jobby job. It's just get the problems out of the way. And so that's the best I got in that one. Yeah, like that's kind of what we try to do, but I don't know if that's the produ- a producer's role. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe. That's me. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by ExpressVPN, the reliable way to ensure that your network data is secure without slowing your internet speed in the process. If you ever use Wi-Fi at a hotel or shopping mall or a supermarket like Casey does, you're sending data over an open network with no encryption. The scary thing is that that this makes it easy for bad people to bypass Wi-Fi security and steal your information. They exploit flaws such as crack, which is key reinstallation attack. It's K R A C K in all caps. It's very scary. Very scary. You don't want to be don't want to be uh, in the way of that stuff. The best way to ensure that your data is encrypted and can't be read by hackers is by using ExpressVPN. Super easy. You just download the app on your computer or smartphone and use the internet as you normally would. Just click one button in the app in the app and you'll be able to secure all of your network data. It's turned on. It's super simple. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most reliable. They're recommended as the number one VPN by TechRadar, CNET, and others. They take privacy and security to the next level. They invented a technology called Trusted Server that ensures VPN servers run from RAM, so there are no data logs written to a server's hard drive, even by accident. I think that's a really cool technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I was struggling to watch some Apple TV Plus shows. For some reason, Apple TV was telling me that I was in the wrong region. Like, it wouldn't work for some reason, even though the content was in the UK. They wouldn't let me play it. Uh, So I just turned on my VPN and it let me watch them. So thanks, ExpressVPN. (laughs) That was very useful. Uh, You helped me get around a stupid bug in Apple software. If you want the best in online security and privacy protection, head over to expressvpn.com slash analog for three extra months free of a one-year package. Protect your internet today. Go with the VPN that I trust to keep my data safe at expressvpn.com slash analog to get started. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Mark would like to know, when did you last use a calculator and what for? Oh, I use calculators every day. I was super boring. I was using PCALC, the best calculator available on any platform that it's available on uh, to uh, do some calculations for an, a contract order that a sponsor had for 2020. Super boring, but that's the truthful answer. I use a calculator every day for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I use calculator probably every day for equally stupid and boring things. Uh, I wish I had a more interesting story than that. Uh, I will say that I probably once or twice a week do try to do something on Wolfram Alpha. Al- Wolfram 
alpha. So, for example, Warframe Alpha. <laughs> oh man, I remember when Warframe Alpha was like new and it blew everybody's mind, like yep. the things it could do. Yep. And every every once in a while, I do get something good out of it. Like I was trying to do those aforementioned computations about like the size of Bath versus Disney World. I did a little bit of that on Wolfram, and it didn't really help me in this particular case. But full fun, book bag. I do that every once in a while, and uh, other than that, a calculator probably every day for some silly reason or another. Oh man, the Wolfram Alpha web page. Like I know it's useful, but it's so confusing. See what the weather is like. Get the current weather for a specified location. Compare several locations at once. But it won't let me do it. Uh, weather in Chicago versus Sydney. From 1990 to 1994. Computing. It's just so bananas, the stuff it can do. It is wild, but... Okay. Thank you, Warfram, for giving me that information. <laughs> Good to know. Adam would like to know, when having a healthy breakfast, Mike, how many eggs is the appropriate number? For me, it's all, whenever I'm making eggs myself, for breakfast or lunch, anytime I'm making eggs, I always use two eggs. Okay. That's how many eggs I use. I can't talk about whether that's healthy or not but that's how many eggs i use so i mostly agree with you um i tend to make eggs one of two ways and every great once in a while there's a third i'll mix in so generally speaking if i'm doing scrambled eggs two eggs however if i'm doing a fried egg like an over easy egg um I will use only one egg, of course. And then every great once in a while, I will do an omelet for myself. And that is usually two or maybe three eggs, depending on how much junk is going in the omelet. But the, the simple answer to this question is two. I just feel like two is the right amount for what I'm looking for. And any more than that gets too much. Like, you know, when I go out to restaurants, sometimes like you like a three egg omelet or whatever. And it's like, it's fine, whatever. Like it's a special occasion. But like I am a uh, special occasion. I'm eating at a restaurant, special <laughs> occasion. Um, but I I will always just make, make two eggs at home. Yep. And that works perfectly fine for me. Same. All right. Uh, Mernaz would like to know, I know you have an irregular work schedule. That sometimes means you're recording until late. Do you have a solid sleep schedule and morning routine, though? I'm also interested in your morning routine. I think this is probably more applicable to, the, to you than me, but I do stay up later than I would like for ATP on those nights. So let's start with you, though, Mike. What's your morning routine? Well, I have made some changes in my life. Oh? I don't stay up late anymore. Oh, really? Like, I, don't, I used to go to sleep between two and three every day. Don't do that anymore. I go to bed about midnight. Look at you. I think that's a positive change. I was using all of that time to like watch YouTube videos, browse the web, that kind of stuff. Um, but I have decided instead that I am more keen to sync my sleep schedule to my wife's sleep schedule. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And uh, it is not helping me wake up. I don't feel any better when I wake up. I like, like I hate waking up, but I don't. I'm getting more sleep now than I used to. That's good. Uh, I have no idea if this has made any impact on my life. I don't think that it has, but it's just something that I'm doing. <laughs> Fair enough. What's your morning routine? Uh, I don't know that I really have one. Like, I don't have something that I, like, specifically do every day, right? Like, I do all of the hygiene things that people do in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't do them in any particular order. Uh, you know, like... Sometimes I might have breakfast before I brush my teeth. Sometimes I'll brush my teeth before I have breakfast. What? Like, look, I, I'm, I am in the morning, whatever forces 
occur to move me through is just how I'm going to be. Which is fine. absolutely no morning schedule. But to brush your teeth and then eat breakfast, that that ruins the breakfast. Right, but it depends when am I having breakfast. Sometimes I'm not having breakfast for like an hour. So do I want to be walking around without brushing my teeth? That is bananas to me. All right, so let me let me fill you in on my perspective, which is perhaps why I find yours so bananas. Well, everything else you said, it makes perfect sense, but the brushing before breakfast, you monster. But anyway, uh, for me, I generally am climbing in bed at about 10 every evening, give or take a smidge, and don't typically fall asleep until about 11. Uh, Declan has a clock that lights up a big glowing green light when it's uh, when it's time for him to get out of bed or where he, when he can get out of bed really is what that boils down to and that's at seven o'clock every day so seven o'clock he'll come running into our room and jump in bed with us for a couple of minutes and then you know usually within five minutes i'll typically me but not always i'll go get michaela up and change her diaper and you know uh, put her back in her pajamas for the time being and then we'll mosey downstairs and pretty much first thing the family does once we're out of bed is we eat breakfast um for me that's typically a smoothie that I make that's uh, protein powder and a little bit of fruit and and some soy milk um, or almond milk, actually. And then uh, the kids will have any number of different things for breakfast. Uh, then we'll go upstairs. I will change and get ready for my day. And usually by about, and that includes brushing your teeth after you're back upstairs after breakfast. <laughs> and then um, at usually no later than eight, give or take, I am either taking Declan to preschool or I am sitting down at home to start my workday. Um, and so it takes about an hour from start to finish if we're not rushing and just being leisurely about it. Um, on weekends, it's a little different. We take our time a lot more. We stay in bed a lot longer. We'll have more fancy breakfasts. You know, I'll, I'll allow myself eggs or, uh, or, uh, oftentimes Aaron will make, you know, like waffles or pancakes on Sunday mornings. And so, uh, those are my favorite mornings of the week because we have a big fancy breakfast and I love breakfast. Uh, but generally speaking, that's about it. I would love to have more of a schedule in the morning. I just can't. Have a kid. My, That'll fix it. It just doesn't work for me that way. And that's probably something that will affect it eventually. Yeah. All right. Finally, Mernas would like to know, do you think it would you, that you would be as good friends with people you record with if you didn't have a joint project to work on together? Do you think having a joint project is a good way of maintaining a long-distance friendship? Yes. <laughs> Any other I thoughts? Me and Casey would not speak as much or know as much about what's going on in each other's lives unless we had a reason to sit down every couple of weeks because before and after we have a little chat, see how we're doing. You know, I, I think it does help me stay close to my friends. Yeah, agreed. I it's also a little hard not to let the relationships become too businessy. You know, so if if we well, don't yeah, make but time, that's boundaries. You know, yeah, it, it's just if you and I don't make time to sit down and talk and shoot the stuff for a little while, um, then I think it, it we start to not lose, but you know, I can't think of a less aggressive word than lose, but we we lose touch with our friendship a little bit and and become a little bit more business associates. And then one of us will tell a story to the other about something going on in our lives and it'll bring it back around. This happens Mm -hmm. with ATP too. You know, if typically we'll talk a little while before and a little while after the show, but occasionally we won't have time for that. And, or maybe for a few weeks in a row, we won't have time for it. And then it feels like my relationship with John and Marco is more business and less friendship, but then, you know, we'll start ribbing each other, telling each other a story about each other's lives and, or our own lives, and then it, it comes back around. So yeah, I do think it helps quite a bit. 